you're listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. For more information and to support the show, head to WeSpeakCommon.com. This week, I'm joined by Sam to talk about bringing a new character into an already established party, whether it's mid-campaign or right near the end of the big boss battle. We'll talk about tips and tricks on how to make that character and the best new interesting ways to introduce them to the party. Plus, we've got to tell you who won our 200th episode giveaway. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is the show brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon, your one-stop shop for your beautiful, pristine, premium D&D dice sets uh, or you know, all the things you need to play Dungeons and Dragons with, like the books, for example, maybe a bag to carry those books around if you're a traveling DM, maybe a dice rolling tray to protect your lovely wooden table that you roll your dice on all the time. Whatever it is, they've probably got it. You can head to the description below, click on the link to the Dice Dungeon, check out their wares and use the code we speak common to get 10% off your entire order. We're also brought to you in partnership with Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B, adder.com on the end. That's the website. They have professional creative writers doing the hard part of D&D, being creative and explaining what places look like. Whether you feel bad at describing monsters, spells, locations, items, all the good stuff that you need in D&D, they'll do it for you. It's professional professionally there we go written box text uh, better than i can speak for you to use in any game whether it's homebrew or published adventure check the link below there's about 500 and something scenes right now i think without double checking that you can look at for free and over seven and a half thousand probably in the eight thousands by now that you can look at if you subscribe you also get extra bonuses like maps and things you can get 10 percent off your monthly subscription every month for the first two years using the code common at checkout as of we will talk about our wonderful partners at some point during this episode but before we do that before we do anything else i'm gonna say a big hello to my good friend sam hello sam bonjour mr ben bonjour bonjour how are you i'm you know pretty beaten up right now Mm. pollen Mm. levels you know are loving me yeah, yeah. I'm going to apologise before anything else happens in this episode for any weird sounds that you might hear because not only is the the hay fever real for both of us, so we're both sniffly and like sneezing, and I already need to blow my nose again. Um, <laughs> but I've also had a cat here that I've been looking after for four days who's just left. I've deep cleaned the apartment; all the windows are open. I got candles going. Like my allergies are through the roof. So uh, if it sounds like if there's some, I don't know if the microphone will pick up any like sounds of the trains going by or like the wind or anything like that. You might hear stuff this episode. It's all it's, part of the scenery. It's got to be done, man. We need the ambiance. It's immersion. Yeah, that's what we want. But how else are you apart from that? Well, I blow my nose. I start a new job. Next week, and that's scary, but it means I have more time for D&D prep, and that is less scary. That's actually quite nice, isn't it? It's really nice. I'm like, oh, I get to I get to finish at like a set time every day, and it's mm-hmm. like a convenient time. Wow. I think you're going to really enjoy I think you're going to love the job too. I'm, I can't I, wait uh, for you to like tell me about your first day. I'm excited, and I'm excited for the time I will have. <laughs> 
in, yeah. in terms of like how much time I'll have left over in the day. So I look forward to it. I really do. That's more D&D stuff. Help, more D&D stuff is, is what everyone needs in their lives. Um, yeah. We've just, we're actually going to have less D&D stuff in our lives because we've got uh, a break coming up now. We had a big session you're, last no, night. No, 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 you're ditching us. Oh, okay. I'm going travelling for a, a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going travelling and you just don't care about your D&D party, mate. That's not true. You can still reach me. We're all going to be, you know, crying and falling apart because we haven't had our weekly dose of D&D and you'll be sitting there in Germany going, Guten Tag. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that means. I, I, only, know, I only know hello. Guten Tag is good day. In, is it? In, yeah, okay. it's like, I presume, one of the more common uh, greetings. I This is the thing. I haven't prepared properly. Like, I know, hello, beer, please. Um, and I know how the trains work, which is going to be important. Nice. That's and always... that's it. And I'm spending most of my time in Germany, but I'm also going to Denmark and Sweden, and I haven't prepared for them at all. So, Oh, dear. Well, it's, be it's, great. it's part of the adventure, really, isn't it? Yeah, and I wouldn't be a true British person if I didn't, you know, forcibly speak English to everybody. Fish and chips. Fish and chips. <laughs> no, not crisps, chips. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear, we're so bad abroad. Anyway, I'm going for a week and I'm cramming in as much as I can and then I'm coming back. So I am also going to miss d and Um but True. we will have some good, great, big sessions. And to be honest, after the emotional roller coaster of last night's session, we need a bit of a, a, a gap. I think. Yeah, I'm sort of glad that we've we've got a little bit of um, thinking time between now and our next session, especially yeah, well. since I need to bring in a new character, which is quite good because that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. So for, for quick background, Sam's character has retired not died which is actually quite rare for this campaign because it's quite deadly but uh two characters now have retired although we know that one of them's going to come back Mm. he's taken a leave of absence um but your guy you have officially signed him over to me the dm as a uh as a character in the world and that's it you're done with him that's fun mate how does it feel to have finished a character essentially Uh, um it almost feels like when you have a character death in a sense, because you're like, you know, oh, I don't get to play them again. Oh, you know, you get that initial like, oh, yeah, yeah oh, I'm going to miss bits of that. But for me, his story was over um, and it was like, I, as weird as it sounds, as surreal as it sounds, and there are probably people listening like, oh, a bit odd. But it felt like I'd met this character face to face, finally, and like shook his hand and said goodbye. Oh, yeah. I'm done with you, but like in a nice way. Um, and I got sort of closure from that character. And um, now I don't have to play a character that's really quite mentally exhausting Taxing. to play. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm happy about that. I I feel quite relieved. And it like he's my longest living character like he lived he's lived the longest and experienced the most as a character uh, for me at least um so i'm happy with that as an achievement mm. i my characters that i've signed away aren't done and could come back so i i still haven't quite had that 
Um, yeah. Like Klaath is still very much, he's still got stories to tell and all is ongoing and being played currently. So mm. yeah, I look forward to that moment. It's good. It's a really nice feeling because when I look at a character sheet on D&D Beyond and it's a character that I haven't finished yet, I do sit there and I'm like, I'm never going to be able to finish them. Yeah. And you yeah. sit there and you're like, I, I don't want to make a new character because I've got all these ones that I haven't finished yet. And you sit there and you're like, oh, well, now I've got one that's like complete and I can go, okay, move on to the next one. Let's let's complete Matty's story. Let's complete this next character's story. So... Yeah, it's been exciting. So we're in a, a situation now where we have um, a, a game that's been going on for over, over a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characters are all level six. They've all experienced a lot. There's been a lot of party change because there's been deaths and people leaving. 100%, yeah. And you need to bring a new character into that that yes. uh, is as developed and as... Uh, has as much of a story as everyone else. You need to come come in on level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same sort of degree. I can't come in with a fresh character who still has like, you know, just the foundation stuff, hasn't done anything else. So it's it's more difficult than bringing a character in from level one and having them introduced with the party and stuff like that because you create those bonds, you do everything, where in this scenario... The party have already got their um, their rapport together. They've already mm. got that relationship. So I've got to build a character that will come in. And I've got to sort of like... And I always find in these situations, you sort of have to force yourself into a role within the group to get mm. back within it. Because if not, that character will just become like a side character that doesn't really... Um, isn't really important to anybody. So... I'm excited for the challenge it does bring in terms of like role play stuff and having to relearn characters from a different perspective and all stuff like that. Yeah. And we've had other characters join the, join the party before, but it, it, it's always been, or so far it's been from like early on when a character has died and a player brings in a new character. And, and, and so like we're talking like level three, level four, level two, like everyone's still mm. kind of fresh. So it doesn't need as much work. Whereas now we're talking about, okay, what's their backstory as you would with any character, but also what have they been doing in the time that the, the, the campaign has been running so far. So, yeah. in that, you know, real world time of over a year, what is this character? What would this character have been doing? Um, and, and you know, how have they evolved? You have, you kind of have to play your own, novel out in your brain to come in with mm. so that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about bringing in a new character a new player character whether that's uh, a death or a retired character being replaced or a new player coming in and uh, specifically doing it at a level where you match the party if it's mid-campaign or three quarters of the way through or something like that so I don't know how you want to where your brain's at, Sam. Because obviously you're kind of living this at the moment. But where yeah. do you want to where do you want to start? Because for me, I'd say character creation immediately is already a bit different. Yeah, so character creation's different. One thing that always um, sort of gets in my way as a DM though is is when you've had a couple of character introductions already, like new characters into the party already. Mm. My current campaign i've had a lot of players either retire characters um or have play like their characters died so they've had to have a new 
character. And there's a certain level where I, I feel like you can have three or four times where, like, introducing a character is fairly easy because there's something unique each time. But introducing new characters quite frequently can get a bit repetitive and you sort of have to look at a new avenue of bringing them in, something that's not going to be like, oh, you stumble upon this person and Mm -hmm. you meet them and just chat to them or, oh, there's a person currently being attacked by things or, like, you've got to think of a new avenue sort of each time and I think that's the the difficulty I have in a lot of situations when introducing new characters, how to actually bring them in in a way that doesn't feel cheap and is just like, ooh, new party member. Yeah, I I totally agree and I think, like... (laughs) That, yeah, there is like the first two or three that you can kind of do that with. And especially with like if you're in a if you're in a different setting or you're playing a slightly different game to like the last one you played. So like for TOA, it was like, okay, well, we're going to do the the you come across a character in a combat. But because you're in the jungles and, you know, you guys are setting up a camp and this this random person comes running through pursued by a dinosaur like it kind of there's the fresh spin on it because it's a new yeah. place and it's a new creature. But if, even now, like if we did that again now, we'd be like, okay. Here we go again. Like here, here comes a here comes character X followed by dinosaurs. Hundred um, percent. So yeah, there's definitely like a level of trickiness to make it feel unique and special. Yeah, I almost I, look at it now like yeah. planning an encounter rather than planning a, a character. At, in, like I think of it as as an encounter and how mm. I would make an encounter feel special and different even if it's like a non-combat kind of encounter I, I, I think okay how can I make this into an encounter and have the player introduced through that um, yeah that's I mean that's a really good piece of advice actually because you've got to think you're not just it's not just like a random NPC that they're going to talk to and leave this this person is I mean through the suspension of disbelief, all of the players know that they have to stick around, but yeah. that you know that so then you know they're going to, but you have to come up with that kind of reasoning You've got to and give that, that resolve. A reason for them to stick around as well. So for me, I feel like the 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 first thing that that you have to do, and and it's a bit of hand holding and working together for both the player and the DM is is to come up with that character and then come up with what they're doing and why they're there. So. As the DM, I get quite involved with character creation anyway, especially when it's mid-campaign. Yeah. But it's like, okay, what do you want to play? Like, what what kind of... What, have you got anywhere to start? Have you got a class you want to do? Have you got a race you want to do? Have you got a type of story that you want to tell? And usually a player will have something. And hopefully it fits with the campaign. If it doesn't, then you have to find something else. Or if they've got nothing, you kind of have to throw things at the wall and see what sticks. But once you've got that base thing, which is the same as creating a normal character, it's then like, okay... You've got your grace, you've got your class, you've got your kind of standard elevator pitch backstory of they are doing X because of Y and want to achieve Z. Um, Then it's going deeper and almost building them out as if they were one of our like key, key, key NPCs. What are their motivations? What are their fears? What do they want? Why do they want it? What are their short-term goals? What are their long-term goals? But then... Once you've done all that, I feel like you have to go even a little bit deeper and do 
okay, my character wants this because of this, but why? And just keep asking why again and again and again until you get to the point where you have the concrete, pure core reasoning behind what they're doing. Because if they come in with that, they come in with a sense of uh, a sense of a soul, like they've been alive. And I find that as the DM, most of the time, when you've got a character that has that, you can find an interesting way to make them appear because they've got core, strong goals and reasons for being where they are. It also makes those first first initial moments when you're interacting with other characters feel like the next set of of in like encounters that you'll have with the group because i find that sometimes when a new character is introduced the player is thinking so much about how that character should present themselves to the rest of the party that the kind of values or anything that they've had sort of get pushed to the side slightly um and they're playing like a presentable version of their character for a moment and then eventually you get to the point where that they enter back into encounters where they're they're back to the kind of normal kind of pace. Yeah, sense. yeah, I get that. I think players can fall into. I mean, I've seen it many times. Uh, they they fall into a trap of having a a pre designed way they want their character to come in like they they want they want them to come in and give off this type of energy they want them to come in and be perceived this way and maybe they thought about it a lot and they're like oh wouldn't it be cool if they came in and someone asked this and they revealed this and if you go in with that if you go in with that over planned expectation you're going to be disappointed it's Um, tricky to input a character especially when you we could enter the next session we've we've set everything up for my new character to to appear in at this monument that is on a very specific path and and the party just decides oh we don't need to go there actually that's and the then thing you're right sitting there like oh oh how do we introduce this character now that whole thing was over there like well yeah it's yeah, not just so you, you it's not just the dm and the, and the new character telling the story the other players are there so 100%. I've had players, you know, introduce a character and be like, oh, this isn't how I wanted it to go. And I'm like, you, you don't have that control, you know? It's fluid, yeah. You've, you've just got to roll with the punches. Um, also, sometimes, and I, I feel like this is something that happens to almost everybody, sometimes the character that you see in your head um, is, uh, it's, it's like um, you've created the character but you haven't actually, like, they haven't been born yet. And sometimes the character you've created and the character that has been birthed into the world are, are very different. slightly different. Yeah, and so actually... You can get shocked by that. You can be like, wait, no, this isn't, this isn't what I thought, actually. This is one of the key things about characters that come in midway through a story, because yeah. when you create a first level character or you create a character for the first time, no matter what level they're at, you're, and the story hasn't begun yet, you think, okay, this is what I'm going in. This is my starting point, And you roll with that. When you're developing a character that has, in, a sen- in essence, already lived, you are thinking, okay, they're like this because of this, and they do this because of this, and they feel this way because of this way, and they don't trust people because of this thing that happened. And you, you layer up all of these, well, you layer up all of these layers, but if you haven't actually 
sat in that and been that, you don't know how they're going to react to things. So something I always do, I mean, I do this anyway, like my characters are already in the campaign. They're not, I'm not planning on them dying anytime soon or leaving anytime soon, but I will do this anyway, just to keep them fresh and keep them evolving is to take some time, have the character lined out in your brain, exactly how you want it, how you feel they're going to be. And then just play as them for a bit on your own. I don't mean like play D&D. I mean like have them in your brain and think, okay, my character, it walks into a bar and there's these people around and he talks to people. What does he say? How does he say it? Um, oh, my character comes across, um, you know, someone in need. What does she do to them? What does she, how does she help them? Does she help them at all? Like all of these different things. Uh, what if he achieved the goal of X? How, what would that look like? And kind of, I, I tend to tell it to myself as a DM, like I explain like, or like as a player, when I'm, telling the characters, the other players, what my character is doing, I will describe it. And I will say, you know, okay, well, you watch him pull out an old book from his bag and flip to a certain page that you can see is covered in dirt and mud and, and maybe blood. He's clearly turned to this many times. And, and so I'll do that for myself. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'd, he'd do this and it would look like this. And he would say this and, and then he would do this shocking thing. And I kind of play it all out of my head, knowing that that stuff might not ever happen, but because I'm doing it and I'm running it through, I start to get a feel for how he lives or she lives. You, you also get some like presets as well. If, yeah. If that makes sense. So if ever you, you're in one of those situations where you don't know what your character would be doing in the background, you've got some ideas of small things that they can be doing in the background that informs their character to other people, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. So like one thing that is good to do is like, okay, imagine my, my character, my new character is just at camp and it's nighttime. What do they do? Yeah. What are they doing? And why? Because your character could have a gimmick, like your gar- character could be a gambler who has a set of dice that they play with all the time. And so they start rolling with ice. But if they're doing that all of the time, every time there's a moment, if it's just, oh, they're rolling dice, it's like, why? They become, they become like a, um, a game NPC. Where oh, they're just sort animation. of like maps yeah. Yeah, to do yeah. the same thing over and over and over again. And if you walk past that as a player so often, you start to recognise it and you're like, oh, that's right, oh, they're, immersion. They're just in their loop, yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, so Orlo, my wizard, who is obsessed with, with trying to find this secret, he will... Um, he has before he doesn't anymore because again things change he evolves over time he he would sit and like pull out one of his journals and and start writing and making notes and you know if and i, I can describe that you know it's, james is the dm would say okay, what, what are you all doing i'll be like all i gonna go sit by the fire pull out his uh, his notebook it's this kind of um bound leather thing with a strap around it and he's just going to start journaling and taking and writing things down he looks like he's taking notes he's going to do that um and that's what he's going to do and then you know when it comes time to go to sleep he's going to go off and go to sleep and the characters be like oh all those other players like oh all those making notes of something that's i wonder what he's making notes of cool they might not go and talk to him yeah you then interact with it right so this is the thing right if the if the characters don't go and talk to him they know that he is, uh, that the, the image they get is that he's someone who is thoughtful, who likes to be pensive and think about things and get his thoughts out on paper. They get an, an idea of who he is, right? If they do go and talk to him, I know what he's taking notes of. 
I know what yeah. he's doing. And I know because I've sat in his brain for a while that if they start asking questions, he's going to respond in certain ways, depending on what they ask. And that can turn into a character driven role playing scene. It might not. Fine. If it does, great. The next night when we're at camp again, he's not going to do the same thing. He's not going no. to sit down and start making notes, but he might, you know, go off for a little walk and clear his head or, you know, something else, something, something that I know he would do because I've sat with him for a while. I think, and from this, there's a really good point here. Um, as we were talking about how sometimes you can plan too much about the kind of entrance or anything like that, I think it's key for the player and the DM to have some idea of it. Um, to be thinking about what their character may be doing in different situations of potentially another uh, the, the party meeting them. Mm. I just hit the mic. I apologise for that. <laughs> I was gesticulating okay. too much. Um, so, for example, just knowing what your character would be doing if the party just arrived to them at a camp by themselves. Or, mm. you know, if, say, my new character is foraging... What do they look like as they're foraging? Like, you get to see a part of them where they don't know anybody else is there, which is often, you know, a, a side to a character that you don't really get to see. So I think that's an interesting thing you can play on, and that can make an introduction sort of scene quite interesting because you get to see, oh, this is how they were alone, and then you'll get to see, oh, this is how they represent with other people. Yeah, definitely. So... Let's talk about bringing characters in to the story. And, you know, we, we've talked about not over planning and not being set on one way, being fluid. And that is a big tip. Um, but one, one of my pieces of advice would be to make sure the character that's being brought in, uh, and you probably do this when you're building the character, whether with the player or as the player, make sure they have a reason for being with the party that's one of the most important things because at the start of a campaign your your characters are given a reason they're given a reason to be together when you bring in a new character that hasn't been with a party and hasn't had their experiences or has any bonds with them at all you need to have a concrete reason for them to want to stick around or need to stick around because those are different things they can want and need but want or need are very different so maybe they are and the easiest one is they're affected by the thing that the party are going to go and stop or do. Yes. Yes. At level six beyond that can it feel a bit a weak. Bit, becomes yeah, a bit weak. It's like, it's like oh, great. You're just another person affected by the thing. Yeah. Um, but there's, that, there's got to be a hook for the party to keep that character as well. Yeah. Like, so there's, there's got to be like, it works both ways in the sense where the, uh, you as a player need to make sure that you've got a reason for your your character to kind of stay with the group, but mm -hmm. then you've also got to give a reason for why the group needs the character in its own degree. Because if not, like in a day daily scenario, if a group came up to somebody, one person really needs this group, but they're like, you're yeah, weird. Like you. Yeah. Leave us alone. That will lead to either hostile or just situations where that person gets left out. So does that does that happen a lot to you, Sam? Yeah, man. It's yeah. all the time. I have no friends. I mean, it's it's. We've been trying to get rid of you for the past couple of years now. It's. I know. Really latched on. Yeah, I'm like a barnacle. Yeah. Well, gross. Um. Yeah. So 
let's let's take your character that you're building as an example and yep. Tomb of Annihilation, right? Tomb of Annihilation, what's the hook? Okay, there's a death curse. People who were brought back to life are now dying. So the easy thing is Sam's, effect, Sam's character is affected by the death curse. How? Mm-hmm. Maybe he has a loved one who's dying. Maybe he has been hired by the Lord's Alliance like the original party was. Maybe he is affected by the death curse himself. You know, things like this. And it's a good idea to have one of those standard obvious hooks on a character no matter what because sure it's not revolutionary it's not gonna blow anyone's minds potentially but it is a solid baseline thing of if the character comes in and they've completed them their own story arc they still have a link to the main story arc no matter how strong it is and you can that can be built on because over time they can feel different ways about it they can learn new information etc etc then what i do is i always think about the fact that for me, there is the overarching story of the campaign and then every single character has their own story. So the next thing I do is I say, okay, but why else are you in Chult? Why else are you there? What's the thing you need? And that's when you start looking at potentially subplots in the campaign or if you've been through a lot of characters and you've given out a lot of different subplots, you start going, okay, let's come up with something new together. And you, you've, you come up with the story that the player wants to tell um, and usually that has to be a thing of, I want to tell a story of a paladin who gets corrupted or who gets tempted, or I want to tell the story of, uh, of uh, I want to tell a redemption story, or I want to tell a treasure hunting story or, you know, some of these things. And then as the DM, you go, okay, well, you're, uh, you're, you want to do a treasure hunting story? Great. Well, there's loads of lost treasure in Chult. So let's come up with the a nice little plot hook there a reason maybe someone told you that there was a hidden item or, or gave you the the uh, an old map that goes somewhere and or maybe you're a you're a pirate and your long lost crew is in one of the opposite bays on Chult and you need to travel through the jungle to get to it but you're also affected by the death curse so it's a two-in-one whammy great cool you're you're here for two things um and and that can take any form and that's probably one of the hardest bits is working that bit out. Yeah, I what I do find fun, especially when bringing in a new character, is is when you are on one of those subplot moments, or you are in 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 an area where you need to push the narrative forward. Um, because you can almost, as a DM, working in conjunction with that player, you can almost make it push the narrative or make it kind of focus on the side plot that you want to focus on for a little while because I could bring in a new character there uh, we as players are now going to this um, this temple or whatever um, and I could have a character that has a that, that has a hook for that temple they're still affected by uh, the the death curse which is like the main overarching thing but they have a strong link to this sub thing that sort of drives us to go and kind of do that subplot, um, which can be yeah. fun. But it can also propel the main plot as well, because you can bring a new character in who has got a new piece of information. You've talked in previous episodes about plot keys. A new character can bring in a new plot key um, and just sort of propel the plot forward. So yeah, and I have, I have some me. good examples of that in our current session that we can talk about. But before we do that, we have something very, very important to do now that we're about halfway through the episode. Oh, it's... 
is it the announcement that We Speak Undercommon has been axed and that you're not going to fund it anymore? I was never going to fund it to begin with, Sam. It was never going to happen. All right. I'm, I'm fairly certain there was a big agreement that you were going to sort of... This is absolutely slander and I could see you for libel, but that's or was it? Or was it the other thing, the, the, the giveaway... It was the giveaway. Oh, okay. It was the giveaway. That's uh, good. So this is episode 202 of We Speak Common, which is nuts, insane. That's crazy. Like um, saying 200 and something is odd because it's been uh, like 100 yeah. and something for so long. We are nearly four years old, which, I mean, I, I've been doing this for four years, Sam. You sad, sad man. Oh God, I'm old. I've aged. Um, I feel it too. It has it has withered me. This this podcast has drained the life force from my soul, and uh, uh, the only thing keeping it going is the constant feeding I I give the flattery. But anyway, I digress. Uh, to celebrate two hundred episodes, we are giving away uh, three wonderful prizes in conjunction with our friends and partners over at the Dice Dungeon, who we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, we are giving away as a first prize to the main winner our or i should say our winner overall a limited edition set of the uh D spelljammer adventures in space box set that's being released in less than a month now i believe i think it's coming out is it coming out in july or august i forget i have no idea because i saw a lot of things that were like oh it's, it's been delayed but i don't think spelljammer was i think it was the um there's a few of the other ones that sort of got pushed back. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it right now. Um, that's a big problem that uh, that that uh, D and D has, isn't it? That they uh, they get pushed back. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Printing errors post COVID stuff. A prequel fun. adventure module titled Spelljammer Academy will be released for free on Wizards of the Coast website and on D and D Beyond in July 2022. Didn't know that. That's that's really cool. Let's see. Amazon's release date, obviously. Uh, uh, local game stores get it a bit early, I believe. Has it for August yeah. 16th. So end of July, okay. start of August is kind of the yeah. window. Um, so we're giving that away. And we're also going to give away to two runners up uh, a set of Kirill the Golden Dice and Tin from Dice Dungeon and a set of Frozen Shadows Dice and Tin sets. And they're, um, they're, so, they're so nice. Both they're sets gorgeous. are really nice dice beautiful mail dice so the giveaway was open for a week we had people entering on uh, the we speak common twitter and on the dice dungeon twitter so you could have two entries there if you're a patron you automatically get one entry as well uh, so they had a maximum of up to three and i did the draw yesterday very Ooh. exciting uh, very so exciting i am how should we do this should we do our runners up first yeah yeah, yeah. so the Winner of the Frozen Shadows Dice Dungeon Metal Dice Set with Tin is a entry from Twitter. They entered via both tweets, but uh, were selected from the Dice Dungeon tweet. And they are a lovely person called Belly Arcane. Belly Arcane is a York. He, he describes himself as on his Twitter bio. I love this. Yorkshireman, dad of three. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Belly Arcane, congratulations, you've won the Dice Dungeon Frozen Shadows Metal Dice Set and Tin. Our second runner-up for the Kirill the Golden 
amazingly named, brilliantly written law for those dice, by the way, uh, dice set, metal dice and tin, is one of our patrons. Ooh. So, this is our friend, uh, because obviously we know all of our patrons very well, we've all been talking. Uh, we talk all the time, we hang out on Discord. We're like best mates now. Yeah, obviously. Uh, our good friend, Blaine Graham, uh, also known as Amagrin. Oh! There you go. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I was like, I don't know them by their people names. You only know them by their Discord handles. Uh, congratulations, yeah. Blaine. You've won the Curl of the Golden Dice set. And our main overall winner, our big winner of the Spelljammer limited edition box set is... Ooh, uh, actually, roll, everybody. I'm quite pleased because he's been with us for a long time. He's a patron supporter. It's our very own David Stanley, Mr. Dave... As witnessed on the podcast with Sam a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> has won our Spelljammer box set. So, Dave, fantastic! My That's so awesome. Well deserved. Well done. Congratulations. A deserving winner. A deserving winner in general. But um, yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely to see names that we know get picked by the random generator as well. 100%, so, yeah. Congratulations, guys. Thanks for supporting the show. And thank you, everyone who's been listening for for 200 episodes or or even if you've just been listening for the last couple of weeks uh, and now you're here and you're with us uh, it, it's a pleasure to have you on board and uh, here's to another 200 I suppose <laughs> Jesus Ooh, the face you the face you just pulled <laughs> uh, sure I, I don't know I feel like you might retire by then oh, something something awful will happen to me before then um, <laughs> Uh, there will be a tweet going out with the uh, info on soon so barely arcane if you get in touch with me um, and the dice engine via twitter i will get your address and get the dice sent to you uh, blaine dave uh, i will send you a message if i haven't sent you a message by the time you're listening to this pop me one over on discord and um, i'll get your info and i'll talk to you about things coming over the dice obviously will ship pretty pronto dave you're gonna have to wait until the book's release i'm afraid i don't i don't have early access but uh you Ooh, will be, it you sucks will to be a winner oh it's Ooh. yeah god your life's so hard mate god god if you want it, if you want to forfeit the prize and give it to someone else let me know i'm sure sam would take it yes i um, definitely would yeah it's not gonna happen mate i'd have to do another <laughs> random draw congratulations guys thank you for supporting the show we should talk about our wonderful suppliers of the prizes, though, uh, the Dice Dungeon, who have been with us for at least half the lifetime of this show now. Which Too is long. Insane. How they've put up with you for this long still surprises me. I question it every day, mate. Every single day. That <laughs> uh, they occasionally they'll shoot me messages, and I'm like, oh, why do you, why do you, why do you waste your time with me? Like, what are you doing? We still sit there now, like, and we see the Dice Dungeon. We're like, they're a sponsor. They're this, doing well. This business, they're a spon- And it's nice. It's nice to have seen Dice Dungeon grow as well. Like, We've grown together, and yeah. and I can I can honestly say that our partnership has has helped both of us out. It's been a very symbiotic relationship, and Ben and Dave are great people. I get on with them very well. So um, I still haven't played D anD D with them though. That needs to change. That really needs to change. Hmm. Um, Definitely we'll, does. We'll set that up, but. They're wonderful guys. They are a UK-based 
dice store who have over the years expanded to sell more than just dice so there are resin metal uh, glass sets of dice premium sets of dice the kind of dice that make you feel like you are holding something special when you are about to roll them uh, they also sell dnd books they sell dice rolling trays they sell a dnd travel bag now which is a wonderful oh, i was looking at the travel bag the other day sam i've got one it's it's a it's a good purchase especially if I you're really moving around one. a lot yeah, yeah, I, yeah i might have to get myself one because they it just like i've i've really struggled with mm. a bag just in general and yeah. like carrying my D stuff to the, the only issue uh, i have found is that the pocket dimension inside doesn't always operate so you can't always fit your entire collection in if oh. you've got if you've got a problem like me and you own about sixty thousand books mm. yeah yeah i can imagine but, that does um, become a bit of an issue for any normal person for any normal D player or dm it's an amazing piece of kit um, go and check it out there's a link in the description below you can head over to the website and uh, have a browse and then use the code we speak common to get 10% off your entire order uh, they ship worldwide but you would be supporting another wonderful uk D brand and our other sponsors are, of course, the wonderful people over at Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Describe is a website to go to if you're really bad at, well, describing things. I think there's no other way to put it. It's that simple. Uh, they've got brilliant creative writers, professional writers doing the hard work for you and writing box text for you to use in your own D&D games whether it's a homebrew game or sorry i'm being distracted by people who are uh, walking through the car park looking up at me it's like a dad and a son they're like staring at me and talking and i've just waved at them and they didn't wave back how rude um box text for you to use in your own games whether it's homebrew or published module if it's a place if it's a monster if it's a spell if it's an item whether you're a dm or a player they've got you covered and alex one of the writers uh, from described was on the show a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about how to write better descriptions. He's and also he's in also our Discord. He is. Which he's was, a commoner. Uh, which was um, quite nice to see, because I didn't notice it at first, and then he made a hint that he, he worked at Describe, and I was like, oh, it's that, Alex! Do you know who oh. else is in our, in our Discord server, hiding around? Um, I... Is it heavy arms? Heavy arms is in the Discord yeah. server. So constantly. we've we've got some like we've got some heavy hitters in there, man. Yeah, we've got we've got. I wouldn't call them D and D celebrities. We but we've got some C listers. They're not. They're know? not quite. They're not quite as famous as us. Obviously, we haven't. We haven't got Matthew Mercer or anyone like that. But we've got some really cool D and D individuals now in that server, and it's really like. It's so nice to see because I, I think sometimes from a player who like buys uh, DMs Guild uh, products and other stuff like that, you you look up to these people and then when we've seen them in the server, it's like, oh, they're, they're normal people who just play and love the game. Yeah. Um, it's really nice to see. But if you want to go check out Describe, there's a link below. You can use the code COMMON to get 10% off your subscription for the first two months, uh, the first two years every month that you're subscribed. So Whoa, go and check that, that out. That's a big jump. Yeah, that's a big jump. So, so it's it's 10% off every month for the first two years that you're subscribed. So good. It's so good. Go check it out. And of course, you're supporting this show. And actually, Sam, I can comfortably, com- confidently say that um, we we wouldn't know if Matthew Mercer was in the Discord server. <laughs> we'd, have a, he'd have a fake Discord yeah. account. Hey, yeah. join the We Speak Common Discord. Matthew Mercer might be there. He might be. 
who knows not us <laughs> uh, if, not if you us. do want to join there is a link in the description below you can come as a free member now and get limited access to the server uh, full access if you join the patron okay a couple of examples of adding characters into uh, an ongoing campaign that brings something with them and are at a level that the party's already at i'm going to start with your friend of mine wolfgang the paladin who the wolfgang the wolfgang he he joined the party oh god so long ago now but it was after a good few deaths an emotional moment i think two in one actually yeah um i feel like wolfgang joined and then ozzy ozzy joined like a session later it was very very kind of it's quick wasn't it yeah, we had a lot of losses very quickly. It was like a very concentrated moment and all of the characters were feeling quite downtrodden. Mm. So and he's... Um, we'd, we'd already done a lot of the kind of standard entries at this point. A lot of yeah. people have died in this campaign. It's, it's deadly. Um, and he's playing a Paladin of Tear who's like all about justice and helping bring law and order. And he said to me... When he built the character, like, I want to be a part of the Order of the Gauntlet. And I was like, perfect. They're all over Cholt. They have an agenda. You have your own storyline alongside the Death Curse, because not only are they trying to stop the Death Curse, but they're also trying to have a presence in Cholt and kind of become a force here in this rediscovered land. So you've, you, that's perfect. We've ticked all the boxes. You've got your own story and you've got the story of the campaign and a reason to be part of the group. And the an example of giving him his own goals was to make it to uh, Camp Righteous and then Camp Vengeance because Camp Righteous had fell or fallen and, you know, help and see how things were going. So for a long time, the, the, the draw to joining the party was got to get to the camp, uh, but also my God is giving me messages and i'm praying to him and he's he's shown me these people these people who are trying to achieve this goal and so i can help them achieve the goal of stopping the death curse so he had both fronts covered and then we got to the camp and he started doing his own story arc meeting characters that that he knew or npcs that knew of him and had ramifications and he ended up having to you know help convince or take over from the camp to get them to to go back and re supply and and shoot back out into jungle and start again basically so he had this constant thing of okay i i'm trying to do this one thing which is why i'm at the party i'm trying to do this other thing which means i might have to leave the party and so then we got an interesting character who was contemplating every choice that they made about which way to go and praying to their god and talking to the party members because they all wanted the same thing but it was taking them in the same direction, but also away from each other. Uh, and ultimately he, he decided to, to leave the party to, to rejoin with them later. And just having that layer of need to travel with someone, finding someone who's not only going for one of the goals that he's going for, but also going via the place that he needs to go to was like the, just enough stuff to bring him in and have him feel established and, and uh, alive. I think that's the best way to describe these characters. Yeah, and something that you did also, which was good for uh, Wolfgang's motivator, I'm, I'm not speaking for Ray here, Ray might have a different perspective, but um, something that was cool for Wolfgang's motives, at least from my perspective, was the visions of the party. 
Yeah. And so so he sort of had a reason to to meet with the party and kind of connect with them because he'd been shown by like a godly celestial message the party. So he his character already knew that the these individuals were going to be important, which mm. was quite a cool little addition to a normal intro normal introduction. Why can't I say introduction today? I don't know. It's the hay fever. <laughs> it's killing me. Um, and then the other one is Osley. So Osley, uh, Wesley came to me and said, okay, I'm making a new character. I want to make a native of Cholt because everyone else has been someone from a different realm. And I'm like, great, yes. perfect, yes. different, unique. It means you're going to come in with new information that the other party members don't have. That was you know. so cool. Especially like learning from that character has been so cool because there are yeah. insights that Wesley's character has that none of us would have because we haven't lived there. We don't know this place. And you can do this anyway. You don't have to be in a new realm. It can be that they're from a city at the part, like maybe the party have got to a city that they've never been to before and you're introducing a new character there. Cool. They've lived in the city for years. They know things about the city that the other party members won't know. So you guys were out in the jungle and I needed to introduce some potential uh rivals um or just to introduce a faction that had been mentioned but not seen and that was the red wizards so wesley said i want to be a, a native of chol i want to be part of the church of savros uh, temple of savros and i want to um be a guide and i was like amazing because guides are a big thing in tomb of annihilation and obviously no one had played that before so he was introduced in um, what would have felt without all of this background stuff and this kind of living stuff, like a bit of a cop out of, oh, and another, you're, you're wandering the vast jungles and you just happen to run into another group of people traveling. Um, you ran into another group uh, of red wizards who had picked up a random adventurer who were being guided by Ozzy, and the juxtaposition of the parties brought out things in the red wizards that Ozzy didn't agree with. And so he left them and joined you because mm. you were going to, you were on your way back to the port and he wanted to get back to the port. Yeah. Which meant he came in and said, well, I'll guide you because your guide had died. I'll guide you to the port. Um, I'm going back there now anyway. Uh, I can help you out. You, you talk, you learn that he is someone who knows things. You then get to the port and you get to see his home through his eyes and a place that you've been before, but now are getting more information about from him. And you get to meet other NPCs like the, the Temple of Savras and uh, Grandfather Zimtambwe, a very important NPC. A diviner says, do you know what, Osley? I think you are destined to travel with these people. I think there's something for you on this journey. I know that you're worried about this curse. I think this is how you help. And that then tied Wesley's new character into the overall story of the plot. So it didn't all have to happen at once, but it happened over time um and the the thing that made wesley real or osley real and alive for wesley and you was that i gave him probably about an a4 page worth of just information about cholt that none of you knew none of you had stuff that would only be given by a guide or npcs or if you found books or things i just said here you go wesley take this one of the things was a story i gave him because I knew the route that you guys were going to take for the jungle because you'd already planned it when you left the port. So I knew you were going to go past, um, uh, and because of Ray's character, the place where Camp Righteous was, which has the temple with the crocodile and the man. 
and it has a very specific folklore story that's that's unique to Chol. And I said, Wesley, here's this here's a here's a folklore story that you could tell them at some point. And then of course, when you got to that place, Wesley was like, Ben, is this can I can I just do a history check? I was like, Yeah, yeah, uh, do it with advantage. And he rolled and I was like, Yeah, it's um it's a story. You you actually know it. And he was like, Oh, and then he just told it. So this whole piece of awesome. box text, yeah. this whole story that I would have had to have told via one of the guides was delivered by another player. And then my NPC, who was a native chalk, because you had them with you, picked two guides with you, him and someone else, um, was able to fill in any bits that Wesley missed, which was amazing. And it just made him feel real. It made him feel connected to, to the place that he'd lived immediately. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you've lived here for a long time. You know this place better than us. And that was like a very defining point. So it's very cool to see. I think what's important to realise when we're talking about these characters as well is that we're talking about introducing characters and and I'm telling you things that that happened over the course of like maybe five or six sessions. But these are things that you need to think about before you've introduced this new character. These are things that you are like setting up in place for the potential that they may happen so yeah but but the point i'm making is that don't think of the introduction as that that first session like oh i need to introduce them and then they're there there they will take time to bed in and you need to slow burn it and introduce them over the course of a few sessions and that will make them feel more real and alive and that's that's how you make a character come in midway through and not just be some random person who's now happened to be traveling with the party and we all have to suspend our disbelief and imagine they'll all just stay together because we want to play the game together you know yeah in terms of like bringing a character in in a way that is different do you have any kind of experience in really unique introductions ones that have even when you've thought of them you've gone Wow, this is this is different. Mm, let me think. Because uh... I know we we had that one with Cassie's character Amelia, where she was running from a dinosaur. You you explained a little bit, and that was cool because that was like a very dynamic introduction. It wasn't it wasn't like a normal introduction where it's a like a like a chat or something. It was very we had to fight with her mm. to begin straight um, away. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, Are there any others? Introductions. Let me think. So we didn't, I don't think we, we didn't change any characters in Dragon Heist. Actually, they, they, they all did very well in that, that campaign. Um, Mm. In Curse of Strahd, when I ran that, uh, so in Barovia, the souls of the Barovians kind of get lost in the mists. They, when they die, they don't go to an afterlife. They don't, move on they just kind of sit in the mists and uh, over time they can be resurrected and or, or reincarnated i suppose is the correct correct word uh, so that's how irena koelana uh, strad's obsession always comes back and that's why um there's there's always like a, a young girl from from the town of brovia that strad's obsessed with because he's realized she's the reincarnation of his long lost love as he would see it um and so Wesley was playing a character in that campaign and he came to me and said, I'm not, I'm not satisfied. Like I, I'm not really enjoying the character, like the class, I'd like to change it up. And I said, okay, I said, well, you know, do you want to do a new character or do you want to 
respect this character? Like, what, what, what are you thinking? And he said, no, no, I'd like to play this character, but um, I want to change them, but I want it to feel natural. I don't want to just like, suddenly I'm no longer this class and now I'm this class because they can be quite different. And he wanted something, he wanted to go from um, like a, a fake cleric to a rogue, which feels very different. So we came up with, I suggested a, um, a story-driven change where instead of him leaving and coming back or him going and a new character coming in, we would kill him. We would plan to kill him in front of everyone, but in a way and in a place where he could be resurrected. And when he was resurrected, we'd have one of the lost souls of the mists attach itself to him so that he was his original character with a second character in his brain kind of guiding him and talking to him and manipulating him. And the way that came through mechanically was that he was, when he was resurrected, he was a multi-class. And so he just respected the class. Oh, cool. So Very we, cool. we talked about it for a long time and um, they were, at, I said to him like, it's got to be at the right point because they need to be near a way to bring you back. Um, not only that, but they like there needs to be a, I want to do it right. I don't want it to feel like I've just killed you and they're going to think I've just like been a bad DM or whatever. Mm. So we had a, we had a code word um, that we, we could say, I can't remember what it was, but there was a word. I think we picked something like, this is not what it was, but it was something like bananas, but like, it would be like, God, this is bananas. This is nuts. Like, Oh my God. Like it was something like that, that we could fit in at any point. Um, and I wanted it to be Strahd that killed him because the players had got to a point where they'd Strahd had stopped playing, toying with them and playing with them. And he was now angry. He was pissed off. Mm. And I wanted them to be near, um, there's a town with an abbey that has a saint in it or, a, or is, is he, is he a saint or something? And, and he has the power to, to bring someone back to life. And I was like, that's the perfect place. Um, they pissed Strahd off. He, it was the first time they witnessed him going all out, powerful and i mean you've seen strad he's yeah. got some crazy crazy moves he's powerful powerful crazy man uh, he appeared on his nightmare his flaming horse like in the sky he brought with him wolves and you know the wolves attacked and then strad came and they were running to the the safety of this town this wall town with the gate and they wouldn't oh, the gate wouldn't open because the people were scared of strad and mm-hmm. so they're trying to fight and I, he like didn't didn't even wait as soon as he could, he was like fireball. And then he was, then he did something else crazy. And like the players knew they were, they were going to die. Um, and I said the word, the code word to Wesley. Um, and he said his, it was kind of like, you know, in spy movies when they're like, the eagle leaves the nest. And then the other person says like, yes, to get its prey. And you're like, okay, cool. We're on. He said whatever he needed to say to say, yes, let's do this now. Um, which sounds really cool. It wasn't, it's quite, quite sad. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he said whatever he needed to say for me to know that he was on board and w- this is where he was going to, to die. And then he uh, was grappled by Strad. And of course he, so this is the only time I've, I, he and I have ever fudged roles. Mm-hmm. Like we were doing checks, but he was failing on purpose. Um, or he was, cho- he was choosing to fail, which is something you can do as a player, you know? Yeah. Um, and Strahd literally grabbed him by the neck, lifted him up into the air and just snapped his neck and let his body fall to the ground. Um, and shock, 
shock horror, big moment. Strahd then says, right, I've proved my point. You know, says his piece and then leaves. And um, the other party members grabbed Wesley's corpse and knew immediately the Abbey, like, let's go, let's go to the Abbey. Like we'll bring him back to life. And, and did they, they played right into our hands, which is exactly what we wanted. Um, That's superb. Yeah. There's a risk to it. Uh, you know, they could have not done it, but then you have to use your ability as a DM to feed ideas. Right. So it's like, okay, well, what can we do? Is he dead, dead? And I'm like, yeah, but make a, make an insight check. And like, oh, we, you're right near an Abbey. Maybe there's someone there that could help, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so when he was brought back to life, he, he introduced himself in a new way as a new character. It was him, but he was different. Yeah. That's that's really cool. So that's probably one of the most unique ones I've done. And I guess that's kind of a cheat answer because he wasn't particularly a new character, but he was. like a new, new character, yeah. Yeah. But he could have been. Like, he could have been a whole new soul in Mm. in the same body, you know? So what are the things... So you're you're going through this process as a DM anyway at the moment. What Mm. What are the things I need to make sure as a player I've got to kind of bring make sure that I've got before I enter the session so that I'm at that, as you were saying earlier, at the same level as the rest of the party. Mm. So first things first, get a concept and build a character, right? Come up of with your, your elevator pitch, do what you would to build a normal character. So that means getting a class, getting a race, getting a background and a, and a kind of idea of who they are mm-hmm. and what kind of story you want to tell. Um, and that can be in depth or not. The more in depth, the better, really. But you need to be able to. I find I find this really helps. You need to be able to say in a concise sentence or paragraph what your character is and what they want and why they're doing their things they're doing. So, you know, I'm a treasure hunter looking for a long lost artifact that belonged to my family. It's an heirloom and it holds the secret to saving the world. Cool, great. You know, I am a demonologist who has made a pact with a with uh, an ancient primal, primeval demon to find and discover law to write a thesis on to make myself famous. That law the demon wants for some reason, and I know it's dangerous, but I don't know why. Cool. You know, stuff like that. I'm a wizard seeking power to stop an ancient evil that I think I'm prophesized to defeat, but secretly know that that's probably not true, but it's all my life has been about. And so if I find out that it's actually not real, I will be unhinged and lost to, to time and madness. See, that one's quite odd. That one seems quite developed already, Ben. Anyway, (laughs) you know, come up with that thing and then the work is into coming up with those those bonds, ideals, flaws. Do that stuff, which you do as a character anyway, but put extra thought into it. So I, yeah, I definitely think that, especially we're in the age of like D and D Beyond and mm. doing most of it on Beyond. So oh, using heathens, just these heathens, using just those is is good for inspiration, but I think you definitely need to sort of. Look at some of them and write them to the character. Don't just well, here's use the, thing, the right? preset ones. People, I don't think people realise this, but in the Player's Handbook, or mm. definitely in the first edition 5e Player's what Handbook. What is a Player's Handbook? Yeah, I hate you. <laughs> I hate that you do everything on Beyond. <laughs> if you don't know how to make a character without D&D Beyond, I don't trust you as a player. <laughs> 
I do. I've been taught. Yeah, yeah, by me. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's a prerequisite to playing on my table. You need to be able to do everything without D&D Beyond. You need yep. to have some sort of understanding of the rules. Um, it, and that's that's not snobby. It just makes life so much easier. It does, um, it does. So in the, in the first printing of the 5e Player's Handbook, at the backgrounds bit, it says something like, come up with a background for your character with your DM. Here are some examples of them. And so it was intended that you would write your own background. And those things are given to you, the sage, the soldier, all of that were like ideas. Yeah. Um, so write your own background. Use them as a base and then work with your DM to change things. And don't forget that there are backgrounds all over the fucking place in, in D&D. They're in the setting guides. They're in the adventures. They're in the, the uh, player's handbook. They're in the in Tasha's. They're in Xanathas. They are everywhere. There are so many different backgrounds for you to take and rip apart and put together to, to make something unique. Do that, but add to it. You don't need just one floor. You can have six if you fucking want. Do whatever yeah. you... We've got to the point where I start swearing. You, do whatever you want to to give that character depth and think about it not only in a way of, oh, my character doesn't trust people easily. Okay, great. Why? Why don't they trust people easily? What happened? Was there a specific event? Great. Write a little story about it. Understand down, that event. Yeah. Breaking down that thought process, doing like a thought process ladder is always good as well. Just going, mm -hmm. okay, here's the base thing, that down to the next thing, down to the next thought, down to the next thought, and sort of then it allows you to flesh out even those simple ideas of the character even more, which is fun. Yeah. So do that, you know, go through all of that stuff. One thing I like to do, and you know what, I'm actually going to pull up one of my uh, one of my character sheets to. Um, make sure I give an, a list of the things I do. And this is something that I took from me as a character, but also from Wesley, um, something that Wesley does that's uh, awesome. So for now for every character, instead of just making a character sheet, I make a character document, which has the character mm -hmm. sheet at the, at the end of it. So yeah. my Orlo James Araman sheet has his name, his title. So he is the occultist, right? That's how do I sum up Orlo, he's an occultist. He likes dark secrets. Uh, I've, get, I've got images of him. I give, I've got gender, lineage, hair color, skin color, eye color. So that's a great little breakdown of, okay, how can I quickly describe him? So he's a male. He's a human um, from Faerun. He's a, a Tetherian. He's got white hair. He's got a rather fair skin color because he spends a lot of his time inside. And his eyes are a mix of blue green. There's a little bit of me in there. Then I've described his appearance. So... This was the thing that I would read out when I first described him. So he's, he's dressed in old yet well-kept wizard's robe. This man carries himself with a dark aura. Uh, that of someone that knows too much and has been to a dark place within themselves, right? So I've got this three-paragraph description for how I can introduce him. Now, his, his, the way he looks and holds himself and things has changed now, but it's good to have that when you first bring him in, but also to go back to you to see where he came from. Then I have his merits. So this is what are the things that you know, you would say, oh, it's good about him. So he has one called willing to teach and one called tries to do what's right. Um, so it's a little little paragraph, willing to teach. Orlo loves to help others learn, especially because he gets to share knowledge he's passionate about. He'll take the time to help people understand things they're stuck on. Knowledge is power. If he can keep his friends safe by teaching them important lessons, he will. Cool. Uh, tries to do what's right. Uh, although some of his actions may seem a little morally great to others, Orlo is always trying to do what he believes important and thinks is the right thing. Those are two little paragraphs, 
that sum up his actions. I can always go back and read those. You can Have always that. look at those when you're, you know, in a moment of, oh, I don't know what my character would do right now. You can, yeah. you can use that to inform it. You can go, oh, maybe he has a conversation and mm-hmm. he's noticed that somebody needs to learn something. Maybe you've noticed that this person's doing something that's detrimental so you can teach them. He had it with Matty when he first met Matty. He yeah, realised the... Matty was lost and wasn't really knowing what he was doing. And so he sat down yeah. and spoke with him about it. Yeah. You know? Um, and that was a cool moment. I do the same thing for him for characters, but with their flaws. So he's got three yes. flaws. Uh, knowledge above all. He's obsessed with the secrets of the universe. Uh, he's easily distracted by the promise of hidden and forbidden secrets. He covets dark hidden secrets. He's obsessed with knowing everything there is uh, to know in preparation for what he thinks is coming, um, which links into his goals. He will see the secret. He will uh, see these secrets, some of them, if he can, to the grave. So there is, he's willing to teach people stuff, but he's not willing to share everything. And that's, no. that's a flaw, right? He, mm. If he thinks it's important enough that no, no other people should know, he keeps it to himself. Uh, glorious purpose, he, he thinks he's, he's burdened with some glorious purpose and it, it, it makes him high and mighty. He's very egotistical. Um, and then his last flaw is walking the line. So in trying to prepare for this purpose, he's found many dark and what could be considered evil secrets. Um, he shares that he'll never use that knowledge that he's gained, but every day he's tempted a little bit more by the things that he knows. So I've got these flaws and these merits, have those, right? Write those out, have them for you to look at. Then he's got long-term and short-term goals. What does he want? What is something that he wants to achieve by the end of the campaign, which is a long time away? What are his short-term goals? What are the things that he's constantly thinking about day to day and the things that inform his actions? So he actually has an old one that says to ask a player out on a date. That's gone. He's not doing that anymore. They fell out. He has um, find a way to uh, get a certain person to forgive him. Again, that's now not a short-term goal. He knows that's not going to happen now. I need to update these. These change. Merits and flaws, they can change over time as well. Um, discover more about an organization he's with. Again, he's achieved that now. So this document's out of date. Then the last one I do, this is a big one, fears. Most people don't do fears for characters, but you need them because they, they are one of the biggest motivators for what your characters are doing. And if you have those, and like this is just fundamental character building stuff, but if you have them for a character that's coming in at a later date, these are the things that are really going to make them feel informed and living. So his fears not mattering or being important or amounting to nothing. That's a big motivator for Orlo. Not understanding things. He's scared of not being the smartest person in the room because that's all he has. Biggest one, he's scared of dying. He's terrified mm. of leaving no mark. Uh, and then the other thing, the last thing that I do is write up his relationships. So I've got the names, race, occupation for his mum, his dad, his brother, um, his old mentor. He's uh, got his links know. to the world. He's got yeah. his sort of like, connections. He knows so where he, his parents live, so he can mention that in conversation. He he feels like a connected character. And I think that's important when introducing a character that hasn't been part of the narrative. They need to feel like... More so than like a level one character, they need to feel that they've been living, that they've they've kind of been in this world and they've got to feel connected to the world more so than like a level one character. Because as a level one character, you can have somebody who's naive, knows nothing, 
and is learning everything new like you are as a player. So something a I really like to do for characters that are coming in midway through. And this is something I did for Orlo because he was a character that I played. Then he became an NPC uh, just in the background while I ran a game. And mm-hmm. then, um, and, and he had a couple of one-off sessions that James ran for him, but he wasn't really doing much, but he was there and the players could use him if they wanted to. And now he's being played again. So I went away, James and I sat for a few hours and we went through everything that he'd done. We talked it out and then I wrote it up like a new backstory from, I took his original backstory and I added to it and I expanded it up to the point where he was coming back as a player. Um, so I now have this like five page novel of his life so far that I can go back and reread and, and that's powerful. Something that you do in the Witcher RPG is you run a life path and uh, I love it. I, Wesley likes to write his own lives, but I love it because it informs things. So you, you if your character has been alive for a hundred years, you roll an event for every 10 years and it will be, yeah. okay, you have an adventure or you go on a hunt or you meet a friend or a friend dies or you make an enemy and it will give you just a, a line of like info. And then what I did was I went away and I wrote the story and I have like a two page story for my character for when we play the Witcher that, that he's been through so far. Um, so write a little novel. Like have a yeah. little story that that is only for you that you can reread when you go to play them and you can tell that backstory in their own words to other players. Yeah. yeah. And what about the the kind of introduction scene? How to make sure that that's satisfying and not a oh here's a new character. Don't put too much pressure on it as a DM. <laughs> set up a scene and and think about go back and listen to our episode about scenes and um scenes set and pieces. set pieces <laughs> make sure it is a scene in that sense that the players can take and then let the players have time don't be i think the worst thing you can do is thrust a new player in and then have them go you need to you can thrust a player into a new player into a group in a situation like a combat and have, you know, and that can be fun because especially if they're a combat orientated character um, and then that's when they I would do this. You get to cool show that off. Yeah, straight away they're in and they're casting fireball and your party's going, yeah. oh wow, they're a wizard or a sorcerer and they have this ability or maybe it's Wesley and it's like, oh, he looks like a, he looks like a druid but he's using spirit guardians. I don't know, what's going on? Like, is he a cleric or is he a multi-class? Like, what is he? You know, yeah. like there's this fun thing. If there are, you know, and then give them the chance to role play. If they're a role play centered character, put them in and then just give them the space to talk. Set, set something up, whether it's a conflict of, of discussion, of interest or, or a link and let them talk and let those players discover each other and watch that as a DM. Set aside an hour of the session easily to just let the players sit and talk. You sit back, have some popcorn, listen to it, witness it, watch the magic happen and use that down the line. Yeah. And it's always um, those moments, especially with our group, where like you'll get people, individuals like Wesley that'll be like, I must know everything about this character. Yeah. Yeah. So Which is that's amazing. always good. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's so good. Um, but yeah, do that. That's, that's my advice. I mean, look, making characters hard work anyway. Making a character midway through a campaign is that times five. And mm-hmm. you really have to get in their head live with them for a bit before they even step into the session that they're being introduced in. And as a DM, come up with a way that complements the character, whether they're a role play character, whether they're a uh, 
combat character, whether they're slightly dark and scary, maybe they're really happy and friendly, like find something that complements that character, a way to bring them in that shows that off and then just step back and let the players do their thing and watch the magic. That's my... There's something going on at the scrapyard down the road. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that. That's my final piece of advice, I think, because this is a long episode now. It is, but... You know, I've learned some things and I, I know a bit better about how I'm going to bring this character in. And I hope the people listening have, you know, mm. people running new characters that are being introduced or people that are entering a game as a new character. I hope there's there's something you can take from that because I've taken things. I've already got ideas now. Good. Good, I'm amazing. Test to Ben straight after this conversation with some of my questions. And mate, you've got two weeks now to to put this stuff to work, and I'm I'm mm. I'm excited to uh, to 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 meet this new character properly because I know I know some to. things you're thinking of, but I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. It. And you said to me the other day, you were like, "When you're in Germany, am I going to be able to contact you?" And I was like, "Yes, God, yes, send me anything over the <laughs> internet, not not via text or phone calls because it will cost you, but yes. but yes. send me send me internet stuff, and I will uh, I will read it." So perfect. Sat in a German bar with a beer, reading about your new character is going to be very, very fun and interesting experience. Yeah, can't I'm wait. Looking forward to it. All right, man. Um, God, you you really got some stuff out of me today. I did. I had a lot of questions, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this opportunity. I, I will just use the podcast. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm using your your listening like time. It. No, I like it. I like it a lot. I think that's a very, very good episode for people who might have been struggling with characters recently. So thank you. Um, Hey, if you want to get involved in this conversation, if you want to tell us how you make a new character, then come and join us on the We Speak Common Discord server because it's open. The doors are open. The gate is up. Come on in as a commoner. You get limited access to uh, the common room where everyone can chat and the uh, episode discussions chat room. Um, Of course, if you want more, you can support the network directly via joining us on Patreon. It gives you unlimited access to the Discord server, including a private chat room, uh, the server suggestions section, the advice bureau, the uh, channels specifically for published modules where you can go and talk about just those modules with other people who have run them, uh, and and also the VIP room, uh, the the vibe zone, as we call it. A voice chat where you can sit, listen to music, come and chat with me, with any other Patreon member, and just hang out. Um, I was in there the other day. It was quite fun. There's a lot of D&D prep that happens in the vibe room. There is a, a lot, lot of, of D&D prep, yeah. To stop procrastinating and not do D&D prep, we all hop in and then, and then we actually then we do Then we come no up with D&D. great ideas. But we also do no D&D prep because all we're doing is talking. <laughs> yeah that's true that's true yeah um the other way to support the show if you um want to is to just share it with people that you know like dnd you can get us on twitter at we speak common on instagram at we speak common and on facebook we speak common pod um Bang. hey thanks very much man this has been good fun no problemo been all right been really enjoyable let's let's end recording so you can get all these character ideas out to me okay let's go <laughs> see, see you later see you later for listening to the we speak common podcast network if you enjoyed the show be sure to leave a review on your platform of choice and share us with a friend or dnd group near you if you'd like to directly support the network and the production of new shows like the one you heard today head to the description of this episode or our social media pages for a link to our patreon page 
You can connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at We Speak Common. The network theme is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. We'll be right back. 